All aboard! You're listening to the Deliberative Podcast. Welcome to The Deliberative, your weekly podcast all about Exalted. I'm your host, Corey, and joining me as always are Charles. Hey, And Jim. How's it going? Awesome. Well, we want to start out the show this time just by uh, just going around seeing, you know, how, how's your week going with Exalted Matters? You, you, how's your week in creation been treating you? What's been going on? Tell me, Charles. What, you, what are you up to? Well, I spent most of this week trying to set up some more social media presence for our podcast. Um, I set up a Facebook page called The Deliberative Podcast where we can take uh, comments and questions about the show. And uh, I also set up a Twitter account for us at Deliberative Pod on Twitter for those of you who do that. Very cool. And I've also been brainstorming some ideas for my companion podcast, which is tentatively called Chatting with the Chuckster, wherein <laughs> I discuss topics aimed at newer players and storytellers. Hmm. That's cool. Can't wait to hear some of those uh, some of those those episodes there. Looking forward to it. What about you, Jim? How's how's your week been treating you in the exalted space? Well, I've been doing some uh, research um, for the podcast, and um, we have this character of the week that we've been talking about, and we 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 build those off of character seeds. So I thought that you know maybe we could give the storytellers out there some some ideas and been working on some storyteller seeds and some different thoughts and campaigns that you could set up based on regions uh whether you're in the west or in the north or or wherever you might want to be or a certain city like charascaro so yeah right. looking to put some of that stuff together and some tools that some of our listeners can go to the website and and download and use in their games that sounds cool. That sounds really cool. Yeah. Yeah, I dig that. Um, I think that'll be a really helpful addition, just, you know, giving people some extra extra ideas to think about. I mean, it's not like you have to take our ideas and use them whole cloth or whatever, but sometimes just reading things, you know, ideas like that that other, pe- other people have come up with for characters or for stories can just, you know, get your juices flowing. And you take a little here, you take a little there, and, you, you know, you build it into something that feels like your own. But, yeah, the more the merrier, I think, with all those things. That's, those are great ideas. I've been, uh, I've been continuing my third read-through, the core book, and uh, really enjoying that. Some of these things that I've, I've been <laughs> relearning that I've forgotten all about, like the hold at bay action in the combat <laughs> chapter. For those of you who haven't checked that out yet, that's just, like, the coolest thing ever. Or if you've forgotten about it like I did. But uh, but also, I've been uh, working through, playing through this uh, Tomb of Dreams quick start that they've released with uh, with my two oldest daughters. Just getting them used to the system. Had been playing Pathfinder with them. And I told them their whole life long, you know, once you get old enough, I'm going to introduce you to Exalted. And so this year, we finally pulled the trigger. And we're, we're getting going on that and trying to get them now. Change their paradigm from Pathfinder world over to the exalted awesomeness so they're digging it i'm digging it we're having a great time so first uh first this week let's uh let's talk about the news the big news we've heard this week from onyx path is that their lunars book is now on the progress board at the uh, the weekly blurb section of their monday meeting notes and this week it has a title it's called Lunar's Fangs at the Gate. Now, uh, I wanted to get you guys' thoughts on what you know. What do you, what do you feel about this name? Now, just just kind of recapping a little bit for folks who may be new to Exalted or only played Second Edition or whatever. Uh, there there have been you know some some changes to nomenclature over the years. In First Edition, uh, the Lunar's book, for example, was just called Exalted Colon Lunar's, and all the Splat books were like that. Exalted Colon Dragon Blooded. Exalted, colon, alchemicals, or whatever. And then uh, second edition, they were all called Manual of Exalted Power, colon, Lunars, or you know, Manual of Exalted Power, colon, Dragonblood, whatever. And then now, in this third edition, we've got these subtitles. You know, Dragonblooded, What Fire, 
hath wrought and lunars fangs at the gate so what do, what do you guys feel about that how, how are you liking this new this new direction that they're taking it? um well you know speaking as a newer player who came in very late on the second edition uh life cycle um i'm a big fan of these subtitles I, i'll admit that at first it seemed a little weird like when i heard dragon blooded what fire has wrought i was like okay it seems a little cheesy uh, but now that they've released the subtitle for the Lunar's book, it makes, in retrospect, it makes a lot more sense. Because right. if you look at a book that's titled Exalted Lunars or Manual of Exalted Power Lunars, you don't really know what that is. Like, I'm not saying that those names were bad, but there is basically no clue as to what book you're getting other than what's written on the back. So what I like about the third edition titles is you know right from the get-go, like, kind of thematically what this is going to be about. And yeah. I think that that's going to go a long way towards making Exalted as a whole much more accessible to not only older, more established players, but especially people who are getting into it for the first time or coming back into it after an extended absence. Right. Yeah, no, I, you know, you make a good point. I hadn't really thought of it in that way, but, uh, but yeah, that does kind of make it a little more accessible. I mean, when they, when they come out with abyssals, um, mascara flows freely or oh, you know something on. like that <laughs> <laughs> you're just doing that because gonna... you know i'm looking forward to the abyssals book <laughs> you, <jerk>. <laughs> <laughs> you know it's really gonna let people know you know what they're getting into you know when they when they buy something like that so yeah no no that actually you, you make a good point though i mean i think that that does kind of telegraph a little bit more of what those books are about uh, i hadn't thought about that myself but what about you jim do you have a you have a big opinion on these, or are you just kind of indifferent? What's your thoughts? I like it. I think that it just it makes things clear. Like when you go to drive through RPG and you're trying to figure out does this book apply to second edition, third edition? You know, you you can see like Lunar's Fangs at the Gates because we refer to the core as third edition all the time. So do I want to sit there and say? third edition lunars you know third i just say <laughs> lunars fangs at the gate and you know yeah. and hmm. it makes it it makes it a lot clearer and it kind of lets the product stand out you know away from right. the second edition a little bit yeah i think it's a good idea i like it yeah i, I like it for all those reasons and I, I mean i see all that and i do think it's I, I think it's neat that they are differentiating it uh quite a bit from previous editions i, I will say though that for me uh being being the ocd person that i am the second edition nomenclature for how they named their books just like resonated with me at like a very deep mm. level you know of like uh you have the manual of exalted power it's like a line of books called manual of exalted power and those are the ones that give you the different exalt types and then you have the compass of terrestrial directions and there were like five volumes of those and those gave you you know the land the landscape of creation then you had the compass of celestial directions that gave you things like yushan and the wild and uh malpheus and those kinds of places and and then you had all of your uh the, the scrolls of sorcery you know one through five and all that kind of stuff and it was it was so it was so like well thought out and and for a long time it was just five of each book you know they had like this real tight plan for what they were going to do now they eventually kind of widened that gap a little bit especially when alchemicals came out and then they created a new uh, compass of celestial directions for autochthonia but um you know so there was actually six of them now instead of five but but regardless i mean it was just you know the various scrolls books compasses manuals it, it, it felt like some kind of like arcane library, you know, uh, I do feel like these, you know, fangs at the gate. It's a, it's a little more like, uh, you know, one of those romance novels with, um, Fabio on the cover, but still, <laughs> I mean, even still, <laughs> even still, I, I like it. I like it. I'm spending way more money on these books than I ever did on second edition. So like, don't get me wrong. I mean, I, I am like, you know super super stoked about all of this stuff but uh but yeah I, I, the, the the previous edition just kind of it really scratched my ocd itch a lot more than these do but still i'm digging it i'm digging it so uh lunars man 
I mean, I know we, we still don't have the books for, we don't even have the PDF for Dragon Blooded in our hands yet, but just the fact of seeing Lunars on the list gets, gets me excited. I, I mean, Lunars are definitely one of the most exciting things in the setting for me. But I noticed, I noticed last week <laughs> when we're talking, <laughs> we were talking about this. Here it comes. And I, I said something about Lunars and how excited <laughs> we were about Lunars. And Charles made a noise like, eh. No. Right? You guys you guys heard that out there, didn't you? Yeah, you heard that. Eh. And uh so I I want to hear Charles, what what's the eh about? Why did you eh? You know, here's here's the real answer. I don't I don't know why. Like we I, I remember we tried to do a Lunar's game back during second edition on play by post, and I know it never really took off. Um yeah. and I really liked my character, but I don't know. There what was, was his name? What was your character's name? He had a really cool name, didn't you? Uh, Towering Temper of the East. He was pretty oh, yeah, rad. Yeah, he was pretty rad. Is. That's um, boss right there. I, the real answer is I don't know why this doesn't really do it for me. I Like, I legitimately yeah. don't know. But there's something about it which I find it cool. But I personally am more looking forward to something like Abyssal's. Right, and yeah, I think it's just because you like the you like the uh, eyeshadow and the mascara and okay. the black lipstick. Well, <laughs> <laughs> this is a podcast, right? My webcam isn't on, is it? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, very glad for there not being webcams on yeah. today. Um, not saying what. Anyway. Um, <laughs> Uh, so now, now Jim, I know that I know that you and I we we are like you know madly in love with Lunars. Uh, what what are you looking forward to? You know, thinking about thinking about Lunars being on the it's on the table now. What are you most looking forward to? Let me just start out by saying this, Corey. This may be the Kickstarter that I outspend you in. Oh my gosh! Oh, my gosh. <laughs> you just you just started a, a Kickstarter account like last oh, week. And yeah, now... it, it's like getting tattoos, Corey. I mean, once you get the first one, you got it. You got to get more. So now you're gonna go all Ben Affleck and get a giant, you know, lunar all over your back. Hey, you know anybody that can do that for a good price? <laughs> I bet Charles does. Anyhow, no, um, seriously, yeah. lunars is lunars. <laughs> Out of all the second edition, I love second edition. It was great. I used all PDFs, but Lunars, I actually went and bought. I have the PDF, but I went and bought the printed copy. So if huh. there is a Kickstarter uh, reward where I can get a printed copy, I'm going at that level. See, yeah. I did that with Abyssals. I had the core rule book, which I bought super cheap off eBay, and then I bought Abyssals like just kind of randomly initially but as i read through it i don't know man something about that did it for me and like i said lunars are really cool i like how you um once you enter fury or rage or whatever that term was we never could remember that you can kind of like freely activate this cascading torrent yeah. of charms like and charm stuff. stacking yeah, oh, yeah it was great and that was yeah, cool were... but yeah yeah, both when you when you went Fury and when you uh, just when you went into Deadly Beastman transformation, there were like a lot of those. There were a lot of charms that had that keyword. I forget what the keyword is now, but when you transformed, you could just stack all those on yourself at once. And uh, yeah, it gave you just a lot of really cool options. It was a part of the reason why uh, the other Exalt types were all cooler than the Solars in Second Edition, and I think that's something that they're definitely trying to keep from happening in this edition by making the Solar so awesome, just right from the core. But uh, but they're gonna have to be careful because yeah, when when you get into this, you know, it's just you know just because somebody can jump over a mountain and like you know pick up a ten-story tall boar and smash it into somebody <laughs> doesn't mean that. Doesn't mean that they're automatically the coolest, man. Well, when you the, get somebody who can turn into a wear spider, and you know, like that's that's pretty awesome. The thing I liked about Lunars <laughs> is the Solars have the ability, which now with third edition they have free excellencies in any ability that is, huge. That is yeah. cast or favored. Now, right. are the Lunars going to get well, free favored. excellencies 
in their attributes like um yeah it's a good question yeah I mean, we know the so, dragon blooded don't yeah but we're, we're gonna have to see something maybe maybe their um uh primary attributes um the you know the one they get the most dots in um, right. so maybe they'll get those as excellencies or maybe it'll be cast based but, yeah no their their excellencies were always different in second edition right because they were based on attributes yeah not ability. yeah like you could have first excellency strength and pretty right. much anything oh, yeah. that required strength you could throw dice to so right, right. Oh. yeah they'll probably keep the limits down a little bit um i don't were they were they limited to just ability or were they or i mean to just attribute or could they do attribute ability plus specialization the same way solar i, I can, think I their excellencies were um pretty much ability based or attribute based excuse or me attribute excuse based me. yeah attribute well yeah, we'd have to go back and look at that but yeah but that's that's an interesting point i mean th- that could just be a very easy way to limit the power but it still doesn't limit the coolness and uh yeah i think i just think that i think this is definitely going to be the coolest thing my 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 I, I guess i'll go ahead and say the favorite my favorite character i ever made i think was for that lunars game that we were we were getting rolling on we were we had all made characters and we were about to start and then we just kind of kind of fizzled out a little bit but i was so excited to play my uh my spider who was he, he fell in love madly in love with his own twin sister and uh <laughs> ended up killing her and drinking her heart's blood in order to take her shape so that he could look at himself in the mirror and still be in love with his sister the deliberative <laughs> podcast a weekly family show <laughs> right right so um yeah that was uh you know honestly that might have been what did it for me is that as cool as i thought my character was your dang spider boy was so much cooler (laughs) you had character envy yeah the spider boy that had 25 pages of backstory that yeah (laughs) (laughs) it's crazy but you know he didn't. He had like almost no combat skills or anything. You know his way of he had his a way war of fighting was true. What? No, no, no. He he had a uh, celestial circle spell that allowed him to create one from starlight, and uh, so. But that was like that was his death blossom. You know, you use it once. You know, death for those blossom. of you not born in the seventies and eighties, death blossom from the great movie, The Last Starfighter. Go yes. watch it. It's um, so good. It is very good, but. Uh, <laughs> prepare for mission starfighter yeah but um <laughs> but yeah that uh yeah that that guy he was, he was so cool because he wouldn't fight he, he had like no combat charms but what he would do is if somebody made him mad or whatever he would go like if it was like some strong man in a village or whatever he, he would go like silently sneakily kill that guy's wife drink her heart's blood take her shape come home you know and just be like the faithful wife or whatever while he's sleeping just eat his face you know I mean, like that was that was the way he won his battles he didn't he didn't go about fighting fist to fist and i just man i was in love with that character <laughs> so uh yeah yeah i can't i can't wait to get into to lunars so uh anyway yeah that so excited to see that on the on the blurb section now but um this week we want to get into a discussion about sorcery in exalted third edition and specifically just uh the differences in the whole magic system in exalted versus other games the perhaps difficulty of coming to exalted from other games and trying to be a sorcerer wizard type character uh with the dearth of spells available and that kind of thing so that's what we want our discussion this week to be about uh is is just this idea of how do we how do we deal with the sorcery we've been given in the book and how different it is from other role-playing games now charles i know that when we played a dragon-blooded game on our forums a few years back you made an air aspected sorcerer type character like you wanted your character to be a sorcerer but you had some frustrations with that why don't you talk a little bit about what your frustrations were now this is second edition mind you everyone but right so i mean i hate to keep hammering this nail but i i was never very familiar with exalted i was never very familiar with the mechanics or the lore so 
I relied very heavily on Corey and Jim to kind of help me out with that stuff. Now, you know, not to say I didn't try to learn it, but there's just, there's so much, right? I came from a long line of playing uh, D&D 3rd Edition, then 3.5, and then Pathfinder. And, you know, I know those games inside and out, like the back of my hand, because I've played them so much. And so coming to Exalted, the sorcery system, I'm, it almost couldn't be more different, you know? Um, right. So I had to come to grips with the fact that, you know, okay, cool, there aren't spells per day. That was an easy thing to, uh, you know, kind of get over that hurdle of. Uh, but the other big hurdle was there just weren't a lot of spells. Yeah. In fact, I think Especially in were, second edition. Yeah, there were what, like 20, 20-something spells in the core rulebook? In the second edition, there were a lot fewer than there are in the in the third edition. In, in the third edition, there's 24 spells, which sounds like pathetically small. Uh, you know, when you're talking about coming from something like Pathfinder with thousands, right? Right. Uh, you know, so you... Co- come to exalted in here so but but second edition had even fewer you know you look at like the terrestrial circle there was like what death of obsidian butterfly butterflies uh first circle demons and uh, elemental summoning and like maybe one other uh, i mean i don't i don't was have it open in front of me, a chariot or something or a guillotine skiff serious skiff no that was in the um that was in the spell book the magic book oh, the uh, okay. scroll i forget what the name of that right. one was yeah but, you're right um, but anyway, yeah, so, th- so, you know, I came from a system which had this very, uh, very immense established library of spells. And, uh, you know, granted, they might not have varied a whole lot from spell to spell. But there were, I, I would say there's a very good selection of different spells that do a lot of different uh, things in Pathfinder, for example, right? Right. Um, right. The disparity between what one spell and another spell can do in Exalted is far greater, and I think that's a good thing, but that's also kind of a bad thing, air quotes, because I, you know, in Pathfinder, I, I never made my own spells. I know you could do that, <clears throat> but... Yeah. Um, there were so many that you'd never really, you never really had <laughs> yeah. to. So right, what are you going to try to make that's different than what's already out there? Exactly, right? except maybe what like uh, an epic level spell or something like that, and that's yeah. really just extrapolating the math at that point. So then I right. come over to Exalted, and each spell is much more rich, far more dynamic um, from spell to spell but there were like seven of them, you know? And I was like, wait, where... I wanted to play a sorcerer, and I've got like three spells I can pick from. Right. Like how... And I remember at the time, I was trying to convince you, I was like, yeah, but but some of these are so big. Like you think about summon an elemental and how you can pick from like a gazillion of them. And like, you know, that, that, that's like your, he's like kind of your slave now, sort of you know, you, t- you give him the command, protect me or whatever, fight for me. And, and now you've got this like extra combatant. That's just, you know, it's so that well, one spell, I summon elemental. doing that, but the, the thing that the reason that never really satisfied me was because I wanted to play a sorcerer, not a summoner, right? right. Like, yeah, it right. was cool to um, conjure, oh man, what was it? Like this 30-foot eagle or something like that, or a giant yeah, the, towering... Yeah, it was a thunderbird. Yeah. Yeah, I remember, yeah. And that was cool, but it didn't make me feel like I was slinging magic, which is what I initially right. envisioned when I chose a sorcerer. So there was that kind of hurdle that I had to mentally get over. The other right. big thing, uh, and it's a huge change between second edition and third, is how Exalted deals with how many spells you can cast in a day, right? So in Pathfinder, mm-hmm. you have the Vancy and Magic system where based on your class and your level and the uh, ability that governs your spells per day you only had X number of spells per day at any given level. And once those were gone, that was it, right? So Exalted doesn't have that. 
Um, but second edition, I still feel kind of had that because uh, back then you had to spend your own motes of essence mm, in right. order to fuel spells. So, right. I, you know, I came into Exalted. I was kind of on the back foot trying to figure out how to be a sorcerer in the way that the world of Exalted viewed sorcerers. So I was still trying to wrap my head around that. And then on top of it, casting a spell took so many motes that it felt like I had to choose between being a sorcerer or using charms. And it it almost felt like this mutually exclusive decision. And that's one of the cool things I like about 3rd edition is I think the biggest difference is the shape spell action. Yeah, the shape sorcery action. Yeah. Shape sorcery. Yeah. Yeah, yeah cuz you're pulling the motes then not from your own peripheral pool or your own personal pool, but you're pulling them from creation or you're pulling them from a soul that you sacrifice to your demon lover or you're pulling them from open sources of flame near you or you know right, something which, something cool and thematic like that. Yeah. Yeah, which essentially means you will never run out of spells to cast. Um, which initially I thought, well, holy crap, that just seems super overpowered because some of the some of those spells are disgusting, but they've right. balanced that with the mechanic of actually shaping the sorcery, where you can only gather sorceress motes so quickly, and whereas in second edition you could cast a spell that costs twenty motes, you know, in one action, but right. then there go there goes almost all of your essence. Well, in third edition, right. and, it's and not. And usually if you cast something that costs 20 motes, you're pulling them from your peripheral pool, which means uh, as a dragon blood like you were, your uh, your anima was flaring at like the bonfire level and tearing up the scenery. I, yeah. remember, I remember we had to run out of town yeah. one time because <laughs> because you just like destroyed the whole room that we were in and uh, the guards were coming after us and all you were doing was you like sent a message or something. Yeah. <laughs> it, was, it was just ridiculous. Right. And so yeah. now you don't really have that problem and they've balanced it by requiring casting spells that have, you know, typically the bigger the effect the spell has on the game world the more motes it requires to cast it, which, you know, that makes right. sense. But now sure. that means that it takes more uh, more rounds in order to actually be able to cast that. But you right. can Unless still you use play smart. charms here and there. Yeah, there are ways to, to play smart, though, with your, uh, with your shaping rituals and have some motes kind of in the bank before you ever go into... Uh, a round yeah. by round situation and so you can still pull off some pretty big effects pretty quickly but usually only once you know not like a bunch of times just like that first time you can pull it off maybe in one round but after that you're gonna have to start you know sucking the motes from creation around you again so so yeah that that is a big change that's a part of what makes it really cool but i still think though that there that the difference remains the uh, that difference between somebody having 30 spells on their character sheet that they can cast, you know, even like, you know, with, with the spells per day requirements of, of D and D based games, uh, you still are casting a lot of spells during the day. Whereas in exalted, you're not going to be casting a lot of spells during the day. You know, you're going to maybe once a day or twice a day, but the idea of the magic is very different. Uh, the the magic of of D and D based games like Pathfinder and and D and D itself or whatever some of those spells are pathetically small right I mean think about a spell like Resistance you know which yeah. is uh, I think a zero level spell it's like you get plus one to your next saving throw wow plus one how about that you know I mean it's like it's so pathetic and in Exalted those little effects like that would be completely subsumed in like just the the bare essentials of charm use like excellencies and whatnot right, right. i mean like there's yeah there's yeah. just no reason to have those kinds of things and even when you think about some of the more flashy effects from the spells of like 
of Pathfinder or whatever, things that actually create fire. And, you know, I'm thinking of like flaming sphere, fireball, burning hands, whatever. I mean, if you look at some of the sorceress initiations and the merits that you can take with those uh, just in the third edition core, you know, you have something like the, uh, what is it? The, the, the deal with an Ifrit Lord or something like that yeah. is one of the ones, one of the examples they give. And there's like a two dot merit that says you can shoot fire from your eyes, your nose, your mouth, your fingers, <laughs> whatever, whenever you want to, it's treated like a ranged weapon. That's a short range thrown weapon. You use thrown with it when you use it. I mean, all the stats are there. You can use it as many times a day you want. It doesn't take up any moats. Even if you're like tied up with ropes or whatever you you can like shoot fire out of your fingers to burn the ropes off you can it again we're back to the immovable rod of you <laughs> you you've got a tool just in like that sorceress initiation that takes the place of like a hundred spells in like the pathfinder world or the D <laughs> world right yeah i mean it does and you're not even using you're not even using your essence you're not even spending moats that's just scenery right like so so the 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 actual magic i think of exalted is just so much bigger right i mean you do amazing things just at, just all the time like it's a it's a knee jerk reflex for an exalted character to do amazing things right and so many of those spells from other systems just they fit right in or they disappear in importance compared to the normal things that exalts can do and then what's left are like giant things like slaying right. an entire army with obsidian butterflies in or the, the uh the flip side to that though and i think what turns a lot of people off from sorcery or at least is kind of a defining trait of a character you know it's one thing to take terrestrial circle sorcery for like one spell or two spells that's not really um you know making a sorcerer but if someone wanted to say i am making primarily a sorcerer's character they are gonna have to put in some work in the exalted system but like we've illustrated the trade-off is that your spells are so freaking awesome you know right. it's not like it would be really easy to make a new pathfinder spell probably right because it's right. like oh do damage or impose some kind of small penalty maybe with an elemental effect or something like that and it's not right. that easy and exalted it's a lot more work but the end result is you, you are completely not limited in what you can have a spell do right yeah or, or your limitations, they, they, they're like known power limitations. Sure. And if you're at the very height of the sorcerer's ability, uh, you're, you can literally like change the cosmos. Yeah, and, I think so, one <laughs> of the things you can do is remove an entire city or nation from space and time. <laughs> like, right. what? Yeah, yeah, that's huge. And uh, and some of the and, and and a lot of the magic in the exalted world too comes down to what they call sorceress workings, which is kind of a freehand way of just making up cool effects on the fly. Like now, these are not battlefield spells. I mean, still, if you want to cast something in a battle or whatever, you're going to need to know the spell. And um, and we'll talk in a minute about you know if death of obsidian butterflies or flight of the brilliant raptor the two the two kind of attack spells that are in the core book don't really suit your fancy there are just you know innumerable other things that you can do uh you know with in terms of like uh what something looks like or how it works how it feels or whatever there, there are innumerable ways you can take those spells and others like it to like come up with your own but but and we'll talk about that in a second but like but the, if you if you're looking outside of combat with the sorceress workings rules that they've provided in the core, I mean, the, there is literally no limit to what you can do. You design what you, you design the effect you want, you design how much control over it you want, and then you start working on it. And it takes like a couple of weeks maybe, but like at, in the end, you know, you're controlling weather for like a whole country or you're, you know, or you're opening right. a rift to the wild or you're, you know, like you said, making or, a, making a city just break out of the ground and fly in the air or turning or, a completely arid and desolate wasteland into a lush and bountiful forest. Right. Or something I thought, you know, cause I think one of the ones, maybe it's in the celestial circle of uh, sorcerer's workings, but it says something like adding a magical ability to yourself. 
right? So, uh, I mean, how about something in your wrist that shoots webs? Or how about a, a tumor that grows in the middle of your forehead and then shoots like a laser out of it? And then you have to wait like a couple of minutes <laughs> for the tumor to grow back. You know, this is what I'm saying. You, you can actually create something on your person that gives you new abilities from that point on. Just like the, just like that flame thing, you know, where you could shoot fire out of your eyes, nose, ears, fingers, whatever, whenever you wanted to, you could actually create a special ability on yourself to be used at any time with a sorceress working. I mean, how's that for making a sorcerer, right? I mean, like, that's pretty I, I crazy. Think, you know, as we're talking about it, I think I finally just now have understood why exalted sorcery kind of turns people off. Because where in most other games, spells define the power and usefulness of a sorcerer, exalted has charms. So a lot of these spells that you would cast you know if you tried to port stuff from pathfinder for example into exalted almost all of those spells i feel like would be much closer to charms and yeah. the spells are so far beyond what even the most powerful spells from pathfinder could even accomplish and i think right. that's something that's kind of hard for people to re- like i literally just now understood that and i don't <laughs> well, think I, that that's I mean... necessarily really clear until you like really start talking about it or you play it right. enough. Right. Jim, what, what do you think about all this? Where do you stand on this kind of thing? Really? Um, when we started playing dragon blooded and the dragon blooded game and Charles wanted to do a sorcerer, I was like, okay, be a sorcerer. <laughs> um, like my, my fire aspect, dragon blood could throw fire from his hands, you know, and, I was like, mm-hmm. so I, I just didn't pay any attention to the sorcerer charms. I was like, well, I mean, not sorcerer charms, but the, you know, the spells. Um, right. So I was like, good luck with that. I mean, I can do what I want to do with charms pretty much like Charles just said. But right. so we, 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 we started talking about or planning to talk about spells today. So I was like, you know what? I'm, I'm going to go back to the, the core and, and look at the spells one more time. So, man, I was was like, you could literally do anything short of time travel and raising someone back from the dead. I mean, it literally says that in the game, that these these are your limitations. Um, Immortality has a cost. Don't raise anyone from the dead and And no no time time travel. Right. But I was like, man, that specifically is saying that for sorcerers workings, but it it applies to spells as well. Right, right. But yeah. Man, there's a lot of stuff not covered under those three rules that you can do. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, you think about like the, uh, you know, what, what I was talking about earlier of like adding some ability to yourself, you know, and those limitations that you just showed. And I think even one of the examples they give in a sorcerer's working is you can create a region where anybody who dies in this region gets reincarnated as you choose, you know, like fulfilling purpose. like just great. And so you think, can I add a rocket launcher to my neck? Yeah. I'm going to have the greatest undead (laughs) pizza shop in the realm because all these guys are going to work, work in my pizza shop here. Um, Right. Right. But the one thing, I mean, I was thinking about this the other day and when I was designing a character, sometimes you have an idea of a character and then you go through and you start looking for charms and abilities and merits that kind of fit with that character. But then that character evolves a little bit during creation. You're like, whoa, what if I give him this yeah. charm? And you kind of like mm-hmm. change the shape of, of the character as you're building it. Well, with sorcery, I mean, you see a spell and you're like, ah, that, you know, I'm just going to throw a spell out there. Let's just say there was a spell mm-hmm. that caused blindness, right? Mm-hmm. And you're like, well, I don't. I mean, I kind of want to like blind my enemies, but I just don't want, I want it to be cool. So maybe you kind of change the way it's worded and you say, okay, uh, they start bleeding from their eyes so much that they can't see like, yeah, that fits my guy or whatever. I mean, you kind of, you, you have room to kind of tailor this thing so that it fits you and you're not kind of putting yourself into a box so much. I mean, that does have its, have its moments where a charm you're like, man, if I had this charm and, and, 
my guy kind of went this direction. That would be cool. Um, but sometimes you don't have that luxury over charms as much as you do with spells. Uh, you, right. you can kind of tailor them to fit your guy, his backstory that you came up with, and just how he how he interacts with the world. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I thought uh, I was reading through the, the sorcery section again this week. And one of the one of the little sidebars in the sorcery chapter that I thought just perfectly uh, made this point so well is the the one on page four seventy one that says example two sorcerers, and it's just it's it's just kind of taking you through the creative process of of two different people making two different characters and how they pick and choose things from the examples given of sorceress initiation uh you know shape sir shape sorcery actions and rituals and the merits that are associated with these various examples they've given and how you can how you can create brand new things using those examples or just make up your own stuff and and i think that that's really uh that's the key to all of this is that you know a a game like pathfinder a game like dungeons and dragons has given us for for all intents and purposes a an exhaustive catalog of what you can do and and what exalted has given us are a number of important examples that like establish the limits of power that then you're sort of expected to use those examples to craft whatever the heck you want in the theme with the feel that you want for your character to make your character the coolest thing ever. And I've always thought that it was like, it was so it's disappointing to me that so many sorcerers, you know, so many people who play the game who make a sorcerer, they're looking for an attack spell and they all pick death of obsidian butterflies. And I'm like, this spell is the common battlefield attack spell creating jillions of onyx or obsidian butterflies and spraying them everywhere like that to me sounds like something that is like the the signature spell of a very weird person not like (laughs) the spell you buy at the gas station like hey man looking for a combat spell well everybody this is our top seller shoots butterflies like you know like what like no you know like so if you're if your character is more of like a fire mage why not take some of what you see in death of obsidian butterflies and flight of the brilliant raptor and go well here's what you know i wanted to be all fiery or or like if your guy is more you know if he's more into i don't know floating castles and and uh running really fast and air and swiftness and like make your attack spell like if you want an attack spell make it something that you know picks up all the rocks from the ground and sends them shooting very fast through the air, just into people or, you know, just, just whatever, whatever idea image that you can come up with, do that and use those spells as guidance for how to do it. And I I think it's pretty neat that when you look at the, um, when you look at the, the way those are written up, it really just comes down to very standard sort of combat rules. Like they, usually they pick a weapon, you know, cause all you know, the exalted third edition. Now all the weapons have like, you know, uh, standard stats you know a heavy weapon always has these stats a medium weapon always has these stats and an artifact version has a little bit different stats this is what they are but like you can just like summarize a spell by going it it, it has this th- this way that it looks and it does the damage of a heavy artifact weapon you know it's just like you could just be that that simple with it it doesn't yeah. have to be like you you're you have to be something like you know accomplished writer in order to create your own spell i think we're expected to do this and not just go by what's written I think what we want to do this week to to just kind of illustrate some of the things that we've been talking. We haven't done this on the show yet. I know this is only episode two, which is the third episode, if you're going by computer science reckoning. Uh, but one of the things that we want to do is I want to issue a challenge to us this week. So we've talked about spells. We've talked about how you can just roll your own or whatever. So the challenge this week is for each one of us to create one new spell. And so it, it should be one that's kind of based on one of the existing spells using similar power levels and whatnot, but obviously it's going to have to be different, like thematically different. Maybe it even does something slightly different in terms of its effect, but we want to show people how without very much effort, you can create something really cool that feels really unique and you don't have to be limited to just the few spells that are, that are listed in the book. So how does that sound to you guys? You guys, are you excited Sounds about cool. trying to do that? Yeah. Yeah. 
yeah, I think it's going to be a lot of fun. I can't wait. I've already got kind of an idea for mine. So, um, I'm going to be chomping at the bit to be able to, to reveal this to you guys next week. So looking forward to seeing what you guys come up with. So that's our challenge for the week. And we'll do more challenges like this. I think that's kind of Now, fun. is that challenged for me and Charles or the five no, other people that are listening to us? yeah no it's just for us it's for now if if other folks want to take the challenge you know if listeners want to take the challenge and send in one to the deliberative podcast at gmail.com uh we will definitely take a look at your spell that you've created so yeah if you want to take the challenge with us you go right ahead i think that would be a lot of fun and use it in our own games (laughs) (laughs) exactly exactly or change it slightly to match the theme of our own characters but yeah um all right so it's time to move into our character seed of the week now last week we started this off and we tried to try to give a little bit of a character seed i i made a character where we were we were you you guys were sort of having to suffer through with us trying to figure out how we want to do this in terms of format and jim and charles and i talked a bit this week about how that went down and how we could do it better and here, here's i think what we want to do with the new format we want the character seed to really just be a seed and not a whole character, but we want to include a sample character made with that seed. So what we'll do is we will give you, uh, when we do this each week, we will give you a concept, a two, three word idea for, you know, that shapes the character. And then we will give you a seed, a one paragraph generic kind of description of uh, kind of, some of the background material, but this is like gender neutral. This is setting neutral. This is just a seed, right? Just idea makers for you. And then we will provide on the, maybe, maybe we'll describe a little bit of it on the podcast, but definitely on, on our uh, associated website, fivepoles.com, we will give you the example character made using that seed and flesh out a few more details about that example character and how the example character fits in with the seed that we've given. And so I, I, I'm getting ready to put up the one from last week, uh, probably right after the show finishes recording today. I've got that mostly done. I'll put that up there. You can see that. We'll put it as a category character seed so that over time you can just click that category, go to character seeds, and hopefully you'll see a whole library there of all of these different uh, concepts, seeds, and sample characters. But today, uh, Jim is going to be providing us our seed. And so what do you have for us, Jim? Well, the concept that I'm working with is Forsaken Idol. So that's Mm. my two-word concept. Mm. And the seed, uh, the Forsaken Idol, prior to exaltation, was an influential person uh, in their homeland. And when the exaltation happened, it's during a moment where the character saves many lives and their status among the people is boosted. So Mm. the powers whatever they are, governors, uh, kings, wherever you place this thing, they kind of turn on the character and that's where you get, you know, the forsaken port part of it. And they banish the exalt or they try to kill him or something like that. And, but when the, uh, when the character leaves, uh, he, he gets a mass following of, the people whether it be like soldiers or uh, a spy network or something like that they kind of go with him and almost place him in a position where they want him to be their ruler so um and you could you could use several different casts for this you could use a uh, um an eclipse class like a, a philosopher or something that um that has a large following and something happens or you could use like some leader of a spy network for the for the town being a night cast or anything mm-hmm. like that but for this character I basically chose a dawn cast and I took a lot of the command merits and cult merits and I even took mance so basically Ooh. what happened with this character is he is a general in in the army of his homeland and basically they get into a scene or a situation that's kind of like uh 300 you know um where there's 300 greeks standing against like two million of xerxes army right, right. so they're basically he's in a situation where he's got his forces with him and they know they're going to die 
Um, but they're trying to buy some time for the city. Well, what happens is, is they're getting beat down and he kind of he rallies the troops and at that moment when that happens the unconquered son chooses him to lead to lead for him you know like hey mm -hmm. i want you to go out right. and you're going to take over a circle of other exalted and you're going to lead them as well so when this happens you know they win the battle and his troops are completely loyal to him he goes back home and you know pretty much before they even get there word travels of what happened like hey there's this anathema is now the the head of your army so they try to assassinate him and basically push him out and when he leaves um he takes about a third of the town with him and they live in his manse that he discovers so he has his own army he has a lot of war charms where at the drop of a dime he can like uh take his entire city that lives with him and turn them into co uh, combat hardy troops because hmm. he just has these charms and uh, he can even right. boost up his his elite soldiers even more so this character would start off right in the middle of a civil war i mean you could throw him in in pretty much any town you know not the blessed isle but any any outskirt town uh you could throw him out there and he would work and uh you know you would have to discuss this with your uh storyteller and and your other players, right. you know, are, are they willing right, to buy on with this guy's mission? Or Yeah, he, he comes in with quite a bit of uh, baggage, right. Or, you know, you could have a, a good circle of other players that kind of like, I don't know, maybe they say, hey, we need to go find this thing and then we'll come back and help you, like, a, like something like that. Or, you know, he goes on a quest to find this artifact or anything i mean there's so many possibilities you could do but the main thing is it's right. the forsaken idol it's a, it's a loved a loved person prior to exaltation who still is loved by the people but not by the people in charge right yeah no that's cool that's a good awesome that's definitely a good example of character good seed uh you know different direction for people to go in there and we'll be putting that up on the website also, along with the uh, the abused weaponsmith from last week. And we'll we'll get those up for you and many more to come. All right, now we've got something new. We've been asking for some feedback on our website, especially or on our to our email address, the delivery podcast at gmail.com. We've asked you to send us your questions, your comments, and if if possible, send it to us in the form of a voice recording. And we had one of our listeners this week send us uh, a voice recording, and we are very excited to listen to that. So let's listen. Hello, gents. This is Josh. Love your show so far. I'm just starting up my own Exalted game with my regular group, and we just finished their prologues. Do you guys use prologues? And if not, what's your favorite tip for starting a new game? Hmm. Okay. Good question. Yeah, that is a good question. Uh, Charles, what do you think? How Have you used uh, preludes or prologues in the past? Well, so <laughs> I, I can only speak to what we have done with our Exalted games since I've never played in another one, nor have I run one myself. Um, what we did as a group was, since we were doing it in a play-by-post format, we kind of wrote ours out. I know that, uh, Corey, right. you were the storyteller for most of those. And That's right. you would ask, or not ask a question, you would pose a situation for each of our characters um and you know which were unique to our own individual characters and then we would kind of come back and role play role play out those situations to kind of help flesh out the background of our character and maybe to i guess give you an idea of how we would react with some of the ideas you had in mind for the story going ahead i think right. that doing prologues is cool uh it'll make um make your backstory a little bit deeper and um i plan on doing prologues of some kind when i finally manage to convince my weekly role-playing group to switch completely from pathfinder to exalted mm. very nice very nice now jim you've used them i know not just in exalted but in other games like vampire and whatever else what, how what's your experience been with those man let me tell you what uh i <laughs> love 
the whole idea of prologues. And the reason is, is I play, you know, I've been playing D&D since I was six years old. Nerd! You, you, <laughs> you would, uh... <laughs> Well, you basically sit down with the rule book and you and you put a character together, you know, and then as a storyteller, you've got all these characters and you're like, how do I bring them all together? And what 99.9% of the time is you find yourself sitting in a tavern. You know, I mm-hmm. hated the sitting yeah. in the tavern start to the game. So... Right. To be honest, you know, and we would come up with different things, but to be honest, the first time we ever did preludes or some kind of like group story storytelling background generation was when we played D and D over at the over at your house, Corey, and we had that whole Shiloh story. Do you remember the Shiloh story? Mm. Yeah, that was Charles's yes. character, wasn't it? Yeah, that was yeah, Charles' right. character. And we basically, as a group, built all the characters together. Like there was this yeah, one guy. Right. Yeah. He was a he was a, a Shiloh was like a cleric, a real young cleric, and he thought he knew everything that was going on, but he was real <laughs> naive. And mm-hmm. uh, and Corey uh, Charles was pretty young, so he played him really well. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> he would still play him really well if he played him today. <laughs> okay, well. <laughs> and we had the you're uh, smack because you're old. <laughs> We, we had the old true. burly fighter that was an ex-sheriff. And, you know, right, we, we yeah, had this yeah. tight-knit group. And they were all behind this one guy for him to go do his mission. Well, I yeah. actually wasn't there at the inception of that. I came in later as a thief that kind of destroyed the whole thing. But um, <laughs> when <laughs> we did right. that, it, it allowed for us to use an evil character in the party. We had, like, some way we bound him to the party mm-hmm. like he was forced and that was written into the background like they they had this big yeah. fight with this wizard and uh yeah. he he was forced to help them and you know he he could not harm them like that was part of the um uh, uh the the spell that bound him or Gius. something yeah, yeah the it, was, it was like a geas yeah so that was great and then when we when we got into exalted and we started doing backgrounds and preludes and role-playing things out with no dice um what was it Corey? we we've designed two characters for a solar game and the yeah the storyteller he had a lot of stuff going on at work and like he couldn't get it started so me and you said well we'll just we'll just start playing on our own so we started the, yeah. the whole <laughs> the whole fight club system where it's like uh yeah. gauss versus a farmer you know yeah. You know, roll for initiative. And then, like, you know, he, of course, he, like, kills him with one hit. But you kept making it progressively harder. And yeah, you were like... And that that's a good idea. You know, that's another thing. You know, you, you bring up the Fight Club in terms of Prelude. Now, Prelude's like a fictional story hook way of getting your player involved in the character before the game ever starts. But our quote unquote fight club thing was a mechanics way, especially for exalted where there's so many overlapping mechanics, so many, you know, kind of complex ideas to grasp of learning the combat side of your character. Like I wanted my character to, uh, to be able to, to take an arrow in his eyeball (laughs) and not, flinch like that was the like he didn't wear armor he just wore like a vest he was like he was like he-man or prince adam or you know like he just he he was always showing off the guns and it was like i wanted to know how far i could let him push it you know so i started him off like a farmer with a rake can the farmer pierce his skin no uh let's move up to like a brigand with a knife can he pierce his skin no what about like a a trained bowman you know shooting him in the eye does it work no his eye breaks the arrow you know and so like when we got to the <clears throat> yeah <clears throat> it was awesome and so when we got into the actual game and we go up to fight somebody you knew, your I knew how far i could push it yeah and uh so i think you know the prologue thing uh, or the prelude is the way a lot of the the White Wolf slash Onyx Path books put it. But the uh, the prelude fictionally does that. It lets you know, like it, you know, spend spend a moment in the skin of your character before we get started. Right. How does he wake up in the morning? How, which side of the bed does he roll out of? What kind of things does he carry with him when he goes to market? And how does he react in a situation like this? Before we ever roll dice, before we get with the other guys, I want you to know who he is. But then. 
having this like mechanical prelude of like a fight club of you know how does he fight i think it's just super important because even when i made the uh the lunar the spider guy who had no combat charms i wanted to know how far could he push it you know I, I think i gave him like a knife or something you know i didn't want him to fight like a normal person fought but but he he could take the form of a giant spider and that brings with it some combat bonuses so right. when we uh before we started that game i did a fight club with him to see how far could he push it and he couldn't push it very far but if we were just going up against like town guardsmen or whatever, I had a, you know, had a pretty good chance. So I, I didn't need to run away from that fight. But if we got involved with the wild hunt, he's going to have to disappear, you know. Whereas I knew Gauss, my solar, he could, he could just stand there naked and take whatever they give him, you know. So, <clears throat> and why does uh, he have to picture. be naked? <laughs> <laughs> Another All thing truly was, awesome people are naked. We did the, um, we did the, Gauss and Ahaz versus a castle full of guards. Yeah, and yeah, uh, we did a shared fight club to see how well we could take out a giant group of people. Yeah, yeah, that was it was really good. And I think you knocked the wall down. Helpful. You want you knocked the wall of the castle down while I was running on the side of the wall and I was hopping from stone to stone. Yeah, and it was <laughs> it was intense. It was cool. Yeah. We never got into combat that intense in the actual game, but man, <laughs> we knew we knew we could handle it if we got there. Yeah. Right. So, yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, I, I would say both of those things. Do both of those things, especially with Exalted. I mean, you might not have to do that if you're playing just like a, you know, a D&D game or whatever. Like, can I fight a frog? Can I fight a guardsman? Like, you don't need to do that. But, like, when you're going with Exalted with these, you know, kind of different combat rules, withering attacks, decisive attacks, run through some of those things. Just take the take the weakest thing that you can find in the antagonist chapter, run your character against it. Then take one step you know further run it against that guy then one step just and see how far you can go we also see what you have to do to we also them. discovered some charms didn't work the way we thought when we initially picked yeah. them and we and we scrapped them yeah we scrapped them and got grabbed another charm and this will fit better here so that the day one you know because if you ain't officially started playing yet you can still change your character but um right so we i scrapped like maybe three or four charms and then pulled some new ones in and but by the time we were done i mean i knew exactly how to run my character in combat and the good thing was you knew too so when you would see me start doing something you pretty much had an idea of where i was going so you know you could either supplement or you could go do your own thing you're like oh he's got this handled you know and you know he can handle 400 guys over there he's got it yeah. So. <laughs> yeah, that's that's a really good point, man. With the with the uh, the Fight Club type, you know, mechanical prelude to just know know what you're capable of. It's it's super. But yeah, but as Joshua said, I mean, everybody should be doing some kind of prelude before you get started in a game, just to just to get your feel for the character. Like like he's, you know, he he made a point uh, in the in the longer version of his question, you know, talking about how it can set up you know, storyteller characters for later, potential followers, all kinds of other things that uh, you can just, you know, you learn about the character during the prelude and now the storyteller has some hooks that he can use to hook you into the story later on. So it's just, it's a fantastic idea. Be sure you do it. All right. Well, remember to send uh, those emails to the deliberative podcast at gmail.com. And uh, if you, if you can be like Josh and be cool like that, you know, send us a recording of your voice. Maybe you won't sound as smooth and svelte as he does, but you will, you will make us happy and we'll be, we'll put your voice on, on the, the program. And, and I think it'll just make the whole thing better. Um, all right. And uh, also be sure to leave us a review on iTunes. That helps helps get the the word out it, it brings the deliberative to the top of the results so when people are looking for exalted podcasts they see us there so if you can get on your get on your iphone whatever you have to listen to podcasts on itunes and give us that review that'd be great and all the other places too i don't know how they work because i live in a completely apple world so forgive me if i don't understand your particular <laughs> podcatcher but <laughs> but yeah we we would love to have those reviews just to get us get get the word out some more all right, so that about wraps it up for this week. Where can folks find more of your stuff, Charles? Well, Corey, I have a YouTube channel called System Outage where I stream Android Netrunner, a cyberpunk card game, every Friday night from 9 p.m. to 11 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. You can also find me on the Onyx Path official forums as Lucky Chucky, 
And finally, you can email me directly at charles.5polls at gmail.com with comments, concerns, and any ideas you might have for my upcoming companion podcast, Chatting with the Chuckster. Um, keep a lookout for new material at fivepoints.com. Some of the stuff that was mentioned earlier in the podcast, some storyteller seeds. Um, and if you have some of your own cool story ideas and you would like us to mention them, uh, give us, uh, you can reach me at james.fivepoles at gmail.com. And uh, we'll mention your ideas if we like them. And uh, that's it. All right. All right. And uh, I go by Numa Pilot on the official forums and pretty much everywhere else in the whole interwebs. So if you find something that was written by a dude named Numa Pilot, it was me. Do you want more of the Deliberative Podcast? Then visit us on the web at fivepoles.com. You can also find us on Twitter, handle name at DeliberativePod. And finally, you can find us on Facebook at The Deliberative Podcast. Thanks for tuning in to The Deliberative. Now go forth and bring righteousness to the world as you know best. Thanks, everybody. Bye-bye. Bye.